Welcome to the Security Sessions podcast, brought to you by Talist and hosted by me, Nera Jones. In this podcast series, we'll be discussing the technologies, people, and processes behind information security and delving into topics like data security, remote access, and digital transformation. We'll be speaking to Talis and industry experts to bring you fresh perspectives on how to navigate the world of cloud security. Today's episode is about trends and predictions for 2022. Are we seeing more of the same? For two years now, we've been trying to adapt to this pandemic-driven change. In this episode, we'll be looking ahead at what we can expect in 2022 and how the many aspects of the change have impacted the security landscape. It is my privilege today to welcome two fantastic guests, Ashwin Kamaraju, Global Vice President of Engineering and Cloud Operations at Thales, and Andy Green, Chief Information Security Officer at GemServe. I will briefly ask both of them to introduce themselves very quickly. Ashwin, over to you. Thank you, Nora, and uh, welcome, Andy. Pleasure to be on this uh, podcast with you. Uh, just to introduce myself again, uh, my name is Ashwin Kamaraju, and uh, I work at a business line of Thales uh, called Cloud Protection and Licensing. I am the head of uh, global engineering uh, and cloud operations for our portfolio of encryption and identity and access management products. Uh, this portfolio of products addresses our device to cloud uh, strategy. I have a, over a decade of experience in security, starting with my tenure at a company called Warmetric. Uh, Warmetric was acquired by Thales in 2016. And uh, prior to that, I worked on enterprise storage software and uh, operating systems. Andy? Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for having me, both Nira uh, Ashwin. It's uh, a great privilege to be here. So um, as you mentioned, Nira, my name is Andy Green. I'm the, the, the Chief Information Security Officer, the CISO at GemServe. We're a uh, professional services organization headquartered here in London um, with about 200 consultants working across various different lines of business. Uh, and one of the most significant with about 50 consultants is cybersecurity. And I have quite an interesting role in so much that I wear um, two different hats, really. One is looking um, after the, the security internally as my role in CISO, but I also provide advisory services out to our clients. So kind of a, a managing consultant type role, overseeing some of those uh, most senior clients that we have. Now, I've been working in cybersecurity for uh, close to 20 years now. And in that period, I've worked for uh, organizations right across the spectrum uh, in public and uh, private sector. But at the moment, I'm working primarily in the public sector here in the UK. So I'm advising at the moment uh, HMRC, um, you know, one of the largest central government departments with um, billions of, of personal records for UK citizens under their, under their care. And also the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy, BASE, who do um, a raft of different areas. So uh, some of the notable projects there are, is the smart metering program that's rolling out smart meters across the UK. And they were also very heavily involved with the, the vaccine task force and uh, EU exit. So the Brexit 
um, negotiations. So very interesting work that's keeping me engaged there. I'm also currently seconded into NCSC as one of the senior industry advisors, giving um, part of GCHQ that manages our cybersecurity here in the UK um, a perspective from industry, which is uh, which is keeping me busy. But I'm thrilled to be here and I'm looking forward to a, a lively discussion. Absolutely. Thank you, both of you. I'm thrilled to have you as guest on this podcast today. So without further ado, ado, starting with you, Andy, what are the key challenges your customers are set to face next year? Well, <laughs> it's a big question, isn't it? Um, trying to look forward as to, to what we're going to face in these sort of uncertain times. I mean, 2021 was supposed to be the period when we returned to normal. Um, and as we've seen only just last week yeah, with the, the Prime Minister's Plan B, it, we now everybody is being uh, requested to, to work from home again. So in one case, you could say that, yes, things are going to maintain as they were and we're going to continue to um, the trend towards decentralization and hybrid working is, is set to continue. So I think that the, the challenges that we're going to face is maintaining uh, a degree of, of agility with the organizations in so much that um, we need to have agile processes and policies which will allow organizations from a cybersecurity perspective to flex with regards to their cybersecurity. Um, there are obviously other challenges which are um, set to continue from this year, such as the, 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 the threats that we're facing. So ransomware obviously looks to continue apace um, and you know, so shows no sign of, of abating. But from, from my customer's perspective at the sort of at the coalface, if you will, I think that the, the significant challenge that they're looking at is how they balance their budgets um, and how they prioritize the security initiatives which are um, facing them. So do they, do they invest in the, the projects that they had prior to the pandemic and, and continue along with that strategy? Or should they be reinvesting their, uh, their budgets into further hybrid working and other technologies such as Zero Trust? Thank you, Andy. So, Ashwin, uh, Andy uh, uh, just highlighted what uh, he's seen in his uh, customer base. What are you observing at Palace? Yeah, I mean, those are all excellent points, uh, Andy. I, I see uh, the same. But I want to call out in particular the biggest challenge facing all of us in the uh, industry, which is this is a period of the great resignation. Uh, this is a significant challenge all of us are facing uh, because there's a lot of folks who are leaving, uh, resulting in overburdened and fatigued workers who are filling in for their co-workers. And hiring new employees will require uh, takes time, but also requires onboarding them, training them in cybersecurity best practices. So this whole conundrum actually makes the enterprises a little bit more vulnerable when it comes to their overall security posture because there's a lot of churn uh, with uh, you know employees. So that's that's a challenge. Uh, the 2022, we think the cost to replace an employee needs to go beyond recruitment and training costs. Uh, the potential cost to the business in cyber incidents is, is, is also something that we should think about. Uh, and after all the rush to fill the seats, organizations need to double down on training and onboarding. So training uh, and finding people with cybersecurity skills or 
being able to continuously train them is, is an ongoing uh, challenge. Further to that, uh, broadly, as Andy said, right, the, the, the ransomware attacks, the supply chain attacks, all those are, uh, you know, still continuing uh, and, and increasing. Uh, so that's going to be uh, a big challenge. And something like uh, a vulnerability that we recently had with a component called Log4j, which is so pervasive and so uh, you know, broadly deployed across every enterprise, if there's a vulnerability in there, uh, it brings every security organization uh, to its knees in the sense Many of them have, you know, 50 to 100 vendors who use that particular library or component, and they have to wait for the risk mitigations from all these vendors in order to define their own. So, again, agility is key. Or we need to be always vigilant and and be able to react to any number of these, uh, uh, you know, vulnerabilities or data breaches and, 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 and react to those very quickly and respond to them very quickly. And, and the digital transformation itself, we talked about it. Uh, it's a continuous, uh, I mean, it continues as a secular trend. Uh, so definitely was accelerated by the pandemic and I don't see customers slowing down. Uh, and that implies uh, migration of applications, workloads and data to the cloud. And of course, this leads to a broader attack service because your data is everywhere, right? Uh, so these are some of the things uh, you know that that I see as uh, challenges uh, uh, facing not only us but our customers. And uh, again, adding to all this is the hybrid working or the smart working and the home networks and and sort of the attack surfaces those bring. So all in all. Quite a number of challenges, but but continuing to build upon some of the same challenges we had uh, last year. Thank you both, and I, I'm actually absolutely delighted that you've both taken this angle on your on your answers uh, uh, and and highlighted our, our beloved uh, trinity of people, process, and technology. So, Andy, you brought processes in, and Ashwin, you brought people in and processes as well. So, which brings me neatly to. Uh, what technologies do you expect to rise to the fore next year and or indeed fall away? Uh, again, you, Ashwin. Yeah, I mean, lots of uh, technologies are moving. Uh, I mean, we are moving at warp speed uh, with regards to technology changes. Physical security meets digital security and you will see strides and identity verification and how we manage our digital identities. Uh, zero trust principles, we've been advocating that uh, quite some time now and you see that being uh, uh, more in practice and being implemented. 5G networks uh, is again a technology of uh, very significant impact, uh, both in terms of enabling edge computing and uh, smart cities and, you know, you name it, uh, a number of uh, new uh, applications benefit from 5G, but also with that level of bandwidth and availability of all these applications, again, the attack surface increases, so we need to be uh, vigilant there. Uh, 
And we're also going to see uh, experience, employees experience more immersive experience. I mean, they're working remote, but, you know, instead of just dialing into their uh, Teams call or a Zoom call, you'll, you'll begin to see something that is going to be augmented reality built into this collaboration software, which is going to make it uh, much more uh, realistic, and even though you're remote. Uh, AI, ML, natural language processing will continue to evolve and provide deeper insights into the data and provide more intelligence. And the AI researchers will continue to address, uh, you know, bias, right, which has been a big concern. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of effort there, and, and I think we'll progress. And finally, with the proliferation of IoT and with so many connected devices, Consumers want to know how their data is being used by the device makers. There are initiatives underway in academia and industry to have a privacy label on the devices, uh, similar to a nutrition label for food. This label will display security status, data practices, and privacy policy. Overall, uh, in privacy, there have been a lot of strides, uh, albeit it's in Starting with the consumer side, uh, you, you, you see uh, you're being prompted to give permission for your data being collected by uh, any number of these applications on your phone. Uh, you know, browsers are also implementing cookie management practices where the user is given much more control of uh, their data and how they want that data to be shared. Uh, so a lot of strides here. Uh, and all of these uh, technologies feed into both an opportunity and a risk from a security point of view. So the security practitioners uh, should leverage the technology, uh, but also opportunistically use it to improve their uh, security postures. Thank you, Ashwin. Very, very comprehensive uh, answer. And I want to pick up on uh, something you just said in terms of uh, uh, here we are now thinking we were going to be different and we are again potentially facing further lockdowns and people working remotely. And uh, so no longer, it's been two years now, uh, when communication mechanism for staff and employees and partners w was essentially primarily relying on the uh, on, on email, um, uh, collaboration technologies have actually expanded so much that we now seeing the uh, the rise of the term the communications attack surface because there's so much more uh, communication channels than than just emails and, and and traditional communication mechanisms. So on that point, how has the communications attack surface per se changed this year, and what challenges does does this bring for 2022, Andy? That's a great um, that's a great new phrase to go into kind of the cybersecurity lexicon, isn't it? The communications attack surface. I think it's a I think it's a fair one, really, considering as you mentioned the fact that we've now um, embraced these new ways of working, hybrid working, and the fact that we have to use um, communications far more. Um, intelligently and there needs to be a greater use of collaboration engines for example and it's it's the new normal isn't it if there is such a thing as new normal in such that not only is it working when we're uh, working remotely but i was in the office um just before 
the government's lockdown again, where we all need to now work from home. I was in Whitehall working in one of the government departments. And where previously we would have had a meeting face to face, we were all still or a proportion of us were in the office. And yet a good number of people still communicated using the collaboration engine over Teams. And so they sat at their desks and contributed to the meeting you know, from one floor to another or from one location within the building to another. So I think it's absolutely right that what you say that um, the attack surface is broader now by virtue of the fact that we are using these collaboration engines everywhere, even even when we're in the office. And so I think it does bring additional challenges. And, um, and as we mentioned, the attack surface is broader. So I think we've seen I personally, anecdotally, have seen phishing attacks which have been sent out to um, to trick those people who are susceptible to phishing emails using the uh, the messaging of collaboration invites, so Teams invites or Slack invites or Zoom invites, for example. And I think that that is effectively just the you know that's the the evolution of of uh, those bad actors always looking for a new. Um, angle, if you like, to to trick users into falling for their for their phishing attacks, but it's broader than that. In so much that I've seen also that um, that those collaboration engines are being used to do reconnaissance attacks. So just as a, a an early stage in the in the cyber kill chain to determine who they're going to be targeting, what the background on those individuals are on the uh, on the team structures, on the organisations, which can then be used either to you know to deliver um, targeted spear phishing attacks or as a precursor to to other types of attacks. So we're seeing kind of the proliferation of those those communication channels being used for open source intelligence gathering, if you like, although obviously there's a degree of whether or not that's open source or not. And that kind of leads on to where those channels are um, are increasing the attack surface. And often it's through poor configuration of those systems. So I think that in the rush to embrace these new tools, many administrative teams have, have deployed them um, without um, consideration of the configuration and the security configuration of those tools. And as a consequence, then, there is the potential for attackers to subvert those systems and to use them for um, malicious purposes. I think the answer there is that um, we need to ensure best practices are followed. So there are, you know, there are quite comprehensive um, security configurations and best practice in terms of locking them down. So I think that that is the, is the sort of the first step in terms of trying to address this challenge. Um, what we advocate is that the configuration review is then incorporated into the technical assurance within our clients. So where that is external technical assurance using pen testing, for example, that those platforms are incorporated within the, the pen test scope of those those businesses because this is now so prevalent you know it's as these are being used as as often as email for example and then lastly you know the the sort of the perennial challenge is that there needs to be greater user awareness and this is something which is not unique to the communications attack surface but to all types of um, communications and um, you know for for to prevent phishing or smishing or vishing or any of the other types of uh, of fraud or or manipulation that happens to users and so this is you know this is not something which is easily addressed um trying to uplift user um awareness so that they're more security 
um, focused and security aware is a is an ongoing challenge. But now we need to incorporate the collaboration engines and those other areas of the communications attack surface within that training and awareness. Yeah, yeah, and good points, Andy. I would say that uh, I think there's also a trend now to uh, you know not depend entirely on users, uh, knowing that people are fallible. Uh, to improve overall infrastructure security posture uh, to minimize that human error. Yeah, that's a really good point. Right, so upgrading networks and the shift-left paradigm on how you're actually developing and deploying software so that you maintain the highest quality, right? Uh, all that is uh, sort of uh, shaping the landscape in, in, in the realm of product security and services. Yeah, and I think that's a fair challenge that, that with all of these things, um, it goes back to the sort of the core basics of security, doesn't it? That you've got to have defense in depth and the nearest point earlier that you've got to have not only the personnel aspect, which I was touching on there around the, the greater user awareness, there's got to be, um, that's got to be governed by uh, policies and processes that people understand and you know know where they are so that they know what is acceptable behavior but underpinning all of that there needs to be technical controls and the technical controls are robust it's just that you know in some instances as i mentioned they may not be properly configured or that there can be additional layers of of security which can which can uh, shield the, the the users to a greater extent from these types of threats and that is that is so true because uh, I've long been an advocate of uh, uh, instead of uh, blaming the users, actually making it easy for the users to be secure, which really should uh, should be the answer. And from both of you, I'm hearing that uh, we we're essentially seeing uh, old tricks, but deployed in new ways because obviously criminals adapt to. To, uh, to technology and indeed uh, research technology and use it to, to their advantage. So we've just uh, seen uh, Log4j making the, the headlines. So on that point, going back to technology, uh, can we expect to see any other new cybersecurity threats or new types of attacks? Or is it going to be more of the same again, Ashvin? Uh, I mean, it's going to build upon you know similar type of themes if i may use the word right the supply chain attacks or ransomware and you know exploiting vulnerabilities in old versions of the software where you know uh, our, our enterprise it teams don't seem to patch as aggressively as vendors recommend those will continue and get you know sort of more clever uh, and evolve but broadly speaking, I think I worry about the attacks on critical national infrastructure. Uh, I, I see this whole area of operational technology as uh, still lagging, uh, uh, you know, the enterprise commercial IT sectors in terms of uh, how secure their infrastructure is. Uh, so. As we continue to use technology to bring all aspects of our lives online, connecting everything from healthcare to banking and energy and utilities, these threat actors or bad actors now have the ability to target these systems that once offline have the potential to cause 
widespread disruption that impacts uh, all of our lives, right? We have definitely seen that with the colonial pipeline where, you know, we had disruptions in supply of oil and gas to uh, U.S. East Coast, uh, big disruption there. And and similarly, right, if, if, if we have an attack on the power grid or, or, or a chemical factory or, you know, any of those things, it's very consequential. Uh, in, in terms of uh, the impact. Uh, I think the real world implications of critical infrastructure attacks will force uh, national governments to go on the cyber offensive to take down uh, these criminals. So attack tools will continue to evolve and become more and more sophisticated. Uh, hackers will show resolve and use a combination of attack tools never used before to thwart detection. Uh, and, and again, businesses have to be agile and, and close, uh, and close the loopholes or the gaps and be able to be a step ahead of the bad actors. Thanks, Ashwin. And Andy, I mean, you work very closely with, with government. Uh, so what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, I would agree wholeheartedly. Well, with those points specifically around the, the the threat that operational technology faces, I do quite a lot of work with uh, um, organisations within the UK critical national infrastructure, and in fact internationally that have um, that are rushing headlong, if you like, to um, embrace the efficiency and operational um, improvements that connecting their um, what were once air-gapped operational technology systems to their IT systems and onwardly to the internet. And, you know, uh, perhaps unwittingly or, you know, perhaps not fully understanding the, the full consequences, they're creating an attack path through to those operational technology systems, as as was mentioned. And, and the threat to life there is significantly higher than uh, what we were, you know, as an industry thinking about when we're talking about IT systems, not only do you have the sort of the, the mass disruption, but often the availability of those systems is more important than the confidentiality, which is something that we've always been focused on. So I think that that point is is from my work with government and critical national infrastructure is the key point. More generally, I think that um, we're going to see, you know, um, the question about are there going to be any new cyber threats this coming, you know, in 2022, I think we're just going to see the evolution of um, existing threats. I think um, the the point that we talked on just a moment ago about the the increasing attack surface due to hybrid working is is a, is an important one because we're seeing, as we were talking about collaboration software and so on, um, the fact that we're now using so many new platforms and we're embracing so many cloud applications, for example, to support those hybrid workings, I think increases the likely, increases the, the attack surface and the potential for um, more exploits. So um, talking about the uh, log4j um, zero day that we obviously we've just seen this in this last week or so, you know, uh, last Thursday forward, you know, and all the remedial activity this week. Um, last year, it was notable that in 2021, there were something in the order of um, 60 odd uh, zero day attacks. I think it's 66 zero day attacks were seen last year, which is the highest number on record and double what we saw the year before in 2020. And I think that that's likely to continue as there are new areas of software that the attackers can turn their focus to 
And if some of this, if some of these software platforms aren't perhaps coded as robustly as they they could be, there's you know there's the potential for new zero day attacks to to continue to um, to increase in their number and prevalence. It's not just the software, obviously, it's the uh, it's the pervasiveness of attacking tools and 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 so on, and the, the threats changing as well. But nevertheless, I think that there's going to be a significant number of um, of of new zero days and new exploits which will will continue to. Um, to you know, to get admins and security folks running for the you know for the terminals, as as we saw just this week, like I mentioned with uh, Log4j. But um, I think supply chain attacks are, are likely to continue. That's going to be, um, and third party attacks are likely to be a, an attack path of choice for for uh, for bad actors because of the uh, you know the high impact, the high um, the high number of victims that they can they can gain by targeting in a watering hole type fashion the you know the the, the people at the the center of a, of a hub and spoke where you've got all of those suppliers around the edge and inevitably we're going to see ransomware continue as as we've already touched on today that that's you know the exponential growth that we saw in ransomware last year is likely to continue and evolve and i think that evolution will be along multi-staged attack chains so we're seeing increasingly that um, we're seeing, you know, phishing leading to um, trojans or, or, or um, malware droppers, for example, leading to second secondary malware, and then onto the ransomware. So, you know, something like uh, phishing leading to Emotet, leading to Trickbot, leading to Riot, for example, and that poses a significant challenge for administrators and security teams to be able to stop what is quite a, you know, quite a succession of um, security incidents and security alerts. Mind you, conversely, that also gives you quite a number of indicators of compromise that we can look for to see whether or not we think, well, I've seen Emotet on my estate. Does that mean I should also be looking for other other malware like Trickbot or you know uh, the potential that this could lead on to ransomware? So, you know, we've got we've got a um, we've got a, uh, a an invest a vested interest in 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 that as well. And then I suppose, lastly, the other thing that we can expect to see is that as a result of this sort of uptick in attacks and ransomware and so on that um, that's going to have an effect on insurance so a lot of our clients and a lot of the um, the organizations I work with rely on the fact that they've got cyber insurance to to counter those attacks um, and I think that that's that's going to be a challenge we saw um, here in the UK insurance premiums um, spike by over 50 percent in the last year so over 2021. Um, and so I expect that that I would imagine that that's going to continue and that will be a challenge for many organizations. But also in the last week, we've seen that um, the insurance brokers, um, Lloyd's uh, Insurance in London, for example, talking about the fact that uh, insurance may no longer cover breaches if it's deemed to be attributable to nation states. And so that raises a whole sort of thorny issue around how that attribution is going to be made and whether or not it's the insurance company who make that attribution or whether or not that's going to come from NCSC and so on. So it's going to be a, an interesting year, but I think um, a lot of evolution of attacks in summary. Thank you both. And indeed, and the attribution is always a very thorny topic. And we could talk about this for a very long time, but I'm afraid we've, uh, we've actually run out of, uh, of time and you've been fantastic guests. But um, before I let you go, uh, I will ask each of you to share one more insight, one final tip for our audience that will ensure that organization survive and thrive coming 2022 and beyond you, Ashvin? I would say be open, 
show business agility, uh, respond to your employee and customer needs with urgency, right? Publish and refresh core values and create a positive culture. We are in unprecedented times. We have unprecedented uncertainty, whether it's the pandemic or the uh, cyber attacks that we're facing uh, quite relentlessly. I think it's the culture, the people, and, and the agility and the urgency are the core values which will define us uh, going into the next uh, year and the next uh, decade. And when it comes to your teams and employees, communicate often, appreciate, recognize, and thank your people. And more importantly, keep innovating to avoid disruption, improve your security postures, transform your business, and adopt a security-first attitude. Thank you, Ashwin. And you, Andy? Well, I think that's all really good advice, uh, Ashwin. I think um, I would I would second all of that. And I think perhaps then to give a different take on it and to look at it perhaps from a technology perspective, um, I think the most success that we've seen in dealing with ransomware breaches, which is probably the number one um, impact that our clients have faced, have faced over the last 12 months, the, the, the top tip I could give in terms of mitigating that threat, if you like, is around having software-defined segmentation. So by having um, tightly defined segments within your infrastructure, it has two effects. One, it reduces the attack surface, um, and you can you can put your you know your crown jewels into one segment and your 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 other assets into other uh, similar segments. But also, if you do have an infection, then it it um, mitigates and reduces the the blast radius. So that's equally as valid. And I think for all of the clients that we've had ransomware, and I've helped organisations right from central government all the way through to sort of school groups, if you like, groups of schools here in the UK who've had ransomware breaches. Technology of any of the technical controls has probably been the most effective in in uh, mitigating that risk. So, I would build on the the, the the culture and the people and the process bit that uh, Ashwin talked about, and and just give that technology top tip. Thank you, Ashwin and Andy. You've been fantastic guests. I thoroughly enjoyed your your insights. You've been listening to the Talus Security Sessions podcast. Today's episode was Trends and Prediction for 2022. Will we see more of the same? Our guests today were Ashwin Kamaraju, Global Vice President, Engineering and Cloud Operation at Thales, and Andy Green, Chief Information Security Officer at GemServe, hosted by me, Nera Jones. Thanks for listening. Love this episode of the Thales Security Sessions podcast? Search us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast service to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to visit us at cpl.talisgroup.com to access previous episodes, bringing you insights from industry experts on the latest cloud and data security news and trends. Thank you for listening.